You guys doing good? Yeah. It is awesome out today. It's 67 degrees out, and it's perfect. I love this weather. I'm too white to be outside when it's hot, so um, my wife does all that for me. I just say, you know what? I'm going to spend 10 minutes in the shade. You spend the rest of the time out in the sun for me. And, and I live vicariously through my wife out in the sun. Um, so if you guys would uh, open your Bibles. We've got a little bit of scripture we're going to read today. Um, I don't normally title my, my messages. And then Jordan asked me what I need to title when he's doing the podcast. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't title these things. And I'm like, just come up with something that sounds good that relates to the message. Because I don't title my ser- I don't title messages or sermons. I'm just like, rarely do I ever. I'm like, Sarah's like, what are you talking about? What's it about? What's the title? I'm like, stuff. Bible, Je- Bible, Jesus, God. I'm like, I-, I don't know. I'm just like, just a big blank at the top, and I'm just like, whatever I feel like I'm going to put in there, I put in there. But God actually gave me a, a-, a title. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's called Minor Bends Prevent Major Breaks. That's that. Yeah, we'll get into that. All right, so as you guys know, um, I, I drive a lot I, for work. I mean, I mean, at least 45 minutes one way. And so I, I'm, I've, my time with God talking to him and, and you know, not having any other distractions um, is, is that time. I really get to, to focus on what he's you know, telling. I mean, I'm not, I'm not driving with my eyes closed or anything like that, but um, not driving by faith, just driving by sight. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm t- I trust God to take care of me, but uh, he tells me to keep my eyes open. And so I I drive a lot to Ludington, and God was um, just talking to me about two weeks ago, and I was like, okay, God, what, and forgive me, I typed this up about two weeks ago, so I'm still remembering what I had typed up here. So so I'm driving, and I'm listening, I'm just kind of worshiping God. I always take like half of my time to worship God, and the other time just to sit and talk with Him, and and just be able to say, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? And um, I was talking with Him, and, and we're like, I'm part of a new business. I mean, we're literally six weeks old. And I'm like, God, I said, you're, I know you're my provider. I know you're taking care of me, but you're scaring the heck out of me right now. <laughs> and I'm like, I know you're going to come through. I know you're going to take care of me, but you're scaring me right now. And, and I don't, and I haven't lost faith in him. I know he is the provider. He is the God who takes care of me and will always provide for me. But I'm like, dang, you're kind of scaring me right now. And so I'm just talking with him. I, at first, I was just worshiping, and then I started talking to him, and he started dealing with me, and he began speaking into the issues of my heart and, and into, you know, things in my life that, you know, he's like, okay, we need change. We need change. I want to increase this and decrease this, you know, more of me, less of you, and, um, and he goes, I, I need to be more in your life, and so I love how God comes in, and he doesn't just come in and be like, hey, guess what's up? Rarely does he do that. God comes in, and, and I love how he just whispers to you. He just, he, he just comes in and goes, hey, guess what? We need to work on something today. We need to change something today. And I'm just like, you know, do you, we all know when someone comes in and says, you have to change this, and you have to change it now. You're like, no, I'm just going to keep doing it just to make you mad. <laughs> we have that natural rebellion in us when when people are like, you're, if they come in in, a, in a, an abrupt way and they say, you need to change now. I remember when I first got married, you know, when we're first married, we're both like two separate people and we do whatever we want to do. And, and we're like, you need to change this. And she's like, well, you need to change this. And I said, I'm going to keep doing it. She goes, well, I'm going to keep doing it. And, <laughs> and that's, how, that's how we started. It was like we were both so rough around the edges that we had to allow God to, to mold us into what, what he wanted us. So there are two things in my life that mess me up. 
And that's my wife, my kids, and God. If you want to see me be a hot mess, my family. Let's just encapsulate my family. My immediate family, my wife and kids. If you want to see me become a hot mess, something will happen with them or with God, and I'm bawling. I'm not a, I'm, if you guys have known me for more than like six hours, I am not the most sensitive person in the world. I have, I have a really low uh, uh, tolerance level and a very high imita- um, um, intensity level, if you haven't noticed that. So like you can be talking to me, I'm like, that's great. Yeah, okay, I'll see you later. I'm going to talk to somebody else. It's not that I don't love you, but I'm just like, okay, let's, let's go and let's deal with this stuff and let's move on. But God shows up and I'm a hot mess. I'm like, ah, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, it's like a women's uh, conference. I'm, I'm like over there with the Kleenexes and, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. I'm like, what's going on? So I'm driving to work and I'm a hot mess and I can't keep my, I can't keep myself together. You know, I'm not doing that sniffling, snotting thing where you can't breathe, but I'm crying and God's just like, he's just working. Boom, boom, boom. And he, it's like, he's flipping switches and turning switches off. And I'm just like, holy cow. But it's so awesome when he shows up in our lives. And for each one of you, it is different. Some of you are a hot mess all day long, and then when God shows up, you're completely okay. But, and then some of, and some of you are just like, it's like you just kind of float through life with God, and you're just like, and people are like, what? but you receive from God differently. Me, I'm just like, I know, I have my monthly meeting with God, and we have our long, drawn-out meetings of what we're going to talk about, and then we have our weekly meetings, and then he deals with stuff. God and I have this really good um, routine that we know that I know that when it's time to, when there's something that needs to be changed, he shows up in, in kind of a certain way. And I'm like, oh man, he's there. I, I um, got to listen, got to turn the radio off, turn everything off. I've got to listen. So he's dealing with me and the presence of God just starts pouring out. It's like if it was dark, the car probably would have been glowing. I mean, it, it was that powerful that I'm, I was literally shaking and I'm not, I'm not, it was, the crying's over with, I'm literally just kind of just shaking because God is dealing with things and he's just loving on me. And, and he's pouring out his affection and he's, he's telling me, son, I love you because of this. Son, I love you because of this. He goes, I love you when you did, I loved you before you did this and I still love you after you did this. And, and he's, he's telling me how much he loves me and he's telling me how, what he calls me. And I feel like I'm sitting as a little kid on his lap and he's just hugging me. When our, my kids were little, I used to just, and I still try to do it, but they're a, little, they're a little too big, so I try to fold them up in half and carry them like, Dad loves you. And they're like, Dad, I'm too big for this. You know, I got a five foot seven daughter and a five foot daughter, and they're a little too big to kind of wrap up and carry, but I still try to every now and then. But it was like, when his presence there, I was like sitting on his lap as a little child, and he's just like, son. I'm so amazed at what you do. I'm so proud of you. You know, I remember as a child, my, you know, I'd come home and, and we'd talk to my dad. And my dad would just be like, I'm proud of you, son. You did a good job. You did a good job. And it was like the love of God was in, I was sitting next to him and he's just got his arm around me. He's like, son, I love you. I love you because you're, I've created you. I love you because of what I call you, not what everybody else calls you. And they call me some stuff. I'm just saying, I'm going to call it stuff, and that's what they call me. But it felt like God was just hugging me. My, you know, I'm physically, I'm just like, oh my gosh, what's going on? But God is literally, like, in, in a spiritual sense, I felt like my, my heart was just like, 
God is just sitting there and he's just talking to me and, 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 and working through things with me. And, and I'm like, man, God, this is just awesome. And I've had experiences like this before, but I would say this is probably one of the, the most um, powerful experiences I've had with, with him showing up in that way. And for about 20 minutes, I'm just completely overwhelmed. I can't, I can't focus on anything. I'm lucky I got there because I wasn't even focused on the road. It was just like I, God put me in, in transport mode and I just knew how to get there and he was clearing everything out of my way and he was just dealing with things. But it, the covering that came over me was just like, it was like someone took and just put if you've ever been in the presence of God, some people don't feel this and some people do. Some people feel like they've been, they're covered with like a cloak, a heavy mantle, and it's just covering them. And it's just like, it just wraps them up. Some people feel like a weightlessness with God when they're in his presence. But for me, it was just like, it felt like somebody just resting their arms on me, like took their shoulders and just boom. And I was like, what's going on? And I'm like, you know, and I knew it was him, but it was, it was a new experience. But for 20 minutes, he was loving on me and covering me, working on me and loving me until I was full. Not like, oh, I need to take things from you and, and remove bad things from you. And, and, and then, oh, we'll see you later. He, he takes things out of our lives and takes things out of our hearts. And what he does is he fills them, those voids, with things that he wants in there. God doesn't, isn't a taker. A taker goes, I'm going to take your water, I'm going to drink it all, and I'm going to leave you the empty cup. God says, I'm going to empty that cup out, but I'm going to fill it to overflowing. So he's not just taking things out of my life. People are like, well, God, took, God gives and he takes away. Well, no, God takes away and then he gives with what he takes away. He doesn't just take away things and go, well, you know, good, good luck with that. He says, I'm going to take the things that you can't use, don't need, and I can't use in your life, and I'm going to fill your life with the things that I can do, work with, can use, and you can use. So God wants our hearts, not our actions. God wants us to be devoted to him. He doesn't want our actions to look like we're devoted to him. We get a lot of people that look like they're devoted to God, and they're not devoted to God. They just go through an action. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that Christian. I don't want to be that church. We are not going to be that church where we're just like, oh, we love God, but we really, our hearts don't, aren't devoted to him. But it's like, well, we, gotta, we just got to look good. We got to do the Christianese thing and we got to help and serve and, and say, oh, good to see you, brother, and give a good pat on the shoulder. I don't want to be that. We are not going to be that. That is not uh, unique. That is not genuine. That is fake. It's cold. It's lifeless. The house of God, the church of God is not lifeless. It is full of life. It is full of love. And that's how it grows. So, he wants our devotion, not our hearts. Or excuse me, he wants our devotion in our hearts, not our actions. He wants us to be completely devoted to him because he is completely devoted to us. How, how, you guys ever gone into, volunteered for something or started something you're like, I just totally am not committed to this. This is just, I shouldn't have committed to this. I'm completely regretting that I <laughs> said I'll help out with this. And um, don't ever raise your hand if it's part of church stuff. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We've all done it. I've done it at church. I've done it at church where like someone talked us into doing nursery again. And I'm like, son of a gun, how did I get talked into this? I'm like these people don't want me with their babies. I don't want to be with their babies. I'm not changing them. I'm not. It's like they're crying. I'm like, shut up. You need to stop crying. I'm like, don't put me in nursery. So you will not see my name on the, uh, on the children's church or nursery sign up. I'm just saying. 
If you have babies, you don't want me. I'll be like, you're nice until you cry. I like, I like babies who don't cry. They're just, they're perfect like that. It's just awesome. <laughs> Except for Isaac. He's pretty cool. Isaac is pretty cool. He, he hasn't cried yet. I and so he, he's okay. So what I was thinking is God said to me, he goes, minor bends prevent major breaks. And I was, I was really thinking about that. I'm like, okay, God, how, how are you, what, what do you mean by this? And, and he started to bring to my memory and he started to, to, to show me what he's talking about when, when he talks about this. And God wants our growth in him to be consistent, not, you know, big, big peaks and low falls. He wants it to be a, a gradual, it's like, um, when you have a business, you want sales to increase. You don't want sales to go up like this and down like this and then up like this because it's inconsistent. God, God is a God of consistency, so he wants us to grow consistent. So it's a, a gradual peak, peaks and valleys, but they're, very, they're not deep valleys. They're, they're valleys that are easy to climb back up the hill. So he wants us to do a gradual growth of, of progression, not deep, uh, deep and steep. He wants just a, a, an even keel of growth through our lives. I was noticing, and I've watched through, I've always been a watcher. Even as a kid, I'd watch adults and be like, why do they do that? You know, I'm just like thinking to myself, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Why do they do that? You know, now as a parent, I'm like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. But I've watched people, um, ever since I was a little kid, my dad was always well involved with church. We were always doing things in church. And I noticed that a lot of people that, Every couple of years, they had a major break or a major valley. And it wasn't something that was like an attack from the enemy. It was, it was a, something in their personal life or something in their spiritual life that was causing going the highest peak. And they're like, I'm riding high. I'm at the top of the mountain. And then it was just like, a, you know, the biggest hill you possibly can imagine as a kid on a sled. And you're like, oh, am I ever going to stop going down this hill? You know, they run away from life. And they have to get away for, for, for time. But then they come back. And I, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, God, where are you in that? That is not, that is not how God works. God has got a consistency of, of always being there. Of Yes, we're going to have moments of weakness in our life. And we're going to have moments that man, it's just, we struggle. But God wants us to be a God of consistency and not um, giant peaks and giant valleys. And what happens is they, they have breaks or they have moments and, and, and they, it's like they almost abandon everything in their, in their life and they're Christians, but they almost abandon everything in their life. And then they come back a couple, uh, couple months, a couple weeks later, whatever, and they're good for a while. But then every couple years it happens. And I'm thinking to myself, God, that's not how you want us to, to operate. You know, I remember um, Sarah and I were walking through the store. Um, I don't remember what it was. Oh, I was picking up something at Rite Aid, and I said to her, and we were, we were walking through while she was walking, and I was hobbling. And, um, and uh, I was like, wait up for me. I can't walk that fast right now. And um, so I'm like, I, I showed her the bill. I said, you know what? I said, 15 years ago, this bill would have destroyed everything in our lives. She would have been freaking out, clearing the table off. I would have been hiding. I would have been like, I mean, literally, that $25 bill for, for medicine 15 to 16 years ago would have destroyed our finances. We were that far into a valley 
that it would have destroyed everything that we are. I said, we would have been an argument. I said, I would have told you to put half that stuff in the cart back because we had to buy this. And, you know, she's like, I bought some candles today. I'm like, I don't care. Buy some candles today. But 16 years ago, I would have like, put those stinking candles back. We can't afford candles. We couldn't afford gas, propane, let alone candles. I'm like, unless you think you're going to heat the entire house with this, you're going to be putting it back. And every now and then I still tell her that. I say, you don't need that many candles. I mean, come on. But God wants us to, to be in that mode of, uh, this isn't going to break me. God says, if you're, if you're, mo- if you're flexible, if you're bendable, you're not going to break easily. So why, why do we have Christians? Why do we have leaders? Why do we have um, our, our, our people in our life that are Christians and, and they, they go off and they, something majorly goes wacko in their head and then they, have to co- they come back, well, God, I'm, I'm okay now. It's like, wait a minute, what, what, what happened? And, and we see a consistency of this. And God's not in that, that, that up and down, up and down, up and down. God's like, I'm even keeled. I have the same temperament. I have the same mood every day of the week, every second, every moment that you breathe. God's mood is exactly the same. So I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that burnout, come back, burnout, come back, burnout, come back. It's like, that's, that's exhausting just thinking about it. I mean, let alone trying to do anything else. So when we become moldable and flexible, he does with our, with our will what he wants. If we become bendable and flexible, his will will guide us and make us what we want. See, what happens is, is, is Christians, we're like, okay, I love God, but we don't surrender every area of our life over to God. We're like, okay, God, I love you, and you love me, and thank you for providing for me, and thank you for making me well, but I'm going to hold on to this area in my life. This is my will, which I'm going to hold on to, and we're going to just, I'm going to keep on it. And what happens is, it starts to grow, it starts to harden, and eventually, it gets drawn out, and God's like, I'm working on this, but we can't, so we drop it, and it breaks. So, he wants our wills to become his will. He wants his will to be our will. Because when our wills get involved, nothing good happens. We, we're just inherently selfish as human beings, but it's the Spirit of God living in us that causes us to be unselfish. Sarah and I have these conversations all the time and it's like we were talking about something and I'm like, how could somebody be that selfish? And we're both just mad. We're both mad. How could somebody be that selfish and not do that? And I'm like, and we're just like for 20 minutes we rant and raved and we're like, okay, we got it out of our system. And I'm like, how can someone be that selfish to not have compassion, to not have a, at least an ounce of care for a fellow human being that they would do that? And I was like, because... They can call themselves a Christian. They can say that they love God, but when it really comes down to it, they don't have the heart of God. The heart of God is a generous, overabundantly cheerful giver. God says in his word that he wants a cheerful giver because God is a cheerful giver. He's not like, well, you know, I'm going to give to you begrudgingly. I'm like, oh, great. I got to give these guys something else. I got to help them with their finance or I got to help them with their, their health. I got to help them with their marriage. He doesn't do that. He's like, I get to help them. 
And he wants us to have that heart too. It's not like, oh, I got to help them with this. He's like, no, I want you to have my will and my emotions involved in this. I get to help them with this. We get to speak into their marriage. We get to speak into their, their life. We get to speak into their finances. We get to help them with things. That's what God wants. Our wills have to align with the Father for us to be able to be used. It comes from a complete and utter surrender to Him. My will gets in the way. How many other people's will gets in the way when they're, when they're dealing with God? Yes, everybody. If you didn't raise your hand, you should have raised your hand. If you didn't raise your hand physically, it was raised spiritually. Um, <laughs> but God needs our utter surrender to us. He, want, he wants us to surrender to Him so He can have His way. We always sing these songs, God, have your way in us. But it's like, have your way in us except for that area, that area, and there. I got those locked off. You can have the rest of me. You know, we should just write a song, God, you can have the rest of me. We'll just, but that's how we worship. We're like, God, have your way in me. But not this area and this area, not my bitterness, not my anger, not my uh, hatred for the person who I don't remember what they did to me, but you can have the rest of me. It is. I mean, we might as well change the lyrics while we're singing it if we're not willing to say, have all of me. Have your way in me. Because we're not moldable. We're not flexible. We're not willing to pull out. God says, I've created in you a heart of flesh. I've taken out a heart of stone. I'm creating you in a heart of flesh. And, he's, and if we're half of our heart is stone and we can say, God, you can have this heart, this part of my heart, but I, don't want the, I want the rest of it to hold on to what I want to hold on to. He can't mold it into what he wants. His heart is not our heart. Jeremiah 18. A lot of you know this. You should. (laughs) All right. Jeremiah 18. So, pretty common scripture. This is the message that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. I will give you a message there. So he went down to the potter's house and saw him working with clay at a wheel. He was making a pot from, from clay. There was something wrong with the pot. So the potter used the clay to make another pot. With his hand, he shaped the pot the way he wanted it to be. Then the message came from the Lord. The family of Israel, you know that I can do the same thing with you. You are like clay in the potter's hand, and I am the potter. This message is from the Lord. That is, is, there's a message that goes on after that. But what I wanted you guys to look at is, the, the first couple of scriptures, it talks about the potter. There was something wrong with the clay. And then so he, he, he molded it into something else. Just because we were made in the image of God doesn't mean we look like God. Doesn't mean we have the heart of God. We are made in his image. Every man is made in his image. Doesn't mean we look like God. So we're made in his image, but he has to mold us into what he wants us to be. He has to mold us into what is able to be poured into. My kids, if you guys got kids, your kids used to do those like uh, salt clay things. They'd bring them home from school, like a little candle holder, a little thing. We got a couple of them at home. They're the cutest things ever. Are they well-made? Absolutely not. Are they rock hard? Yes, but they're not well-made. But you can only mold those for so long and then they harden because they dry with heat or with the air. So God's giving him a message saying, this is what I can do for the children of Israel if you'll allow me to. 
God is looking for hearts and minds that he can mold. He molds us into his image because we're made in his image. We're made in his image, but we don't look like God. We don't look like his son. We don't look, we don't walk in the same peace. We don't walk in, we can, but that comes from God molding us. That comes from God changing our hearts. That's, that go, comes from us saying, God, you can have part of me to God. You can have all of me. God, you have your way in me instead of God kind of moving me, make me feel good for the day. We, we, we do. I'm sorry, I'm coming back to this, but we do. We come to church and we're like, God, I just need something from you. Make me feel good for the rest of the day. But I'm not willing to surrender my life and allowing you to, to mold my life the way you want it to be. A potter doesn't take a lump of clay and go, spend five minutes and go, oh, there you go, you got a bowl. He takes the time to make it. He makes it to, to a perfectly shaped vessel. If you've seen, um, I went on, uh, I went to this place one time and this guy was actually making vases and he was making bowls and stuff and they were so well done, you couldn't tell the difference unless they were painted. You wouldn't have been able to tell the difference between that and a bowl that you would have been able to buy at the store because it was so smooth, so perfectly done that he knew how to, to make it so perfect that you couldn't see flaw in it. You couldn't see, you couldn't see uh, uh, an ounce of unsmoothness, but there was uniqueness to it. And each, piece, each one of his pieces had a uniqueness to it, but there was no real flaw in it. You just saw a unique piece but it was perfectly smooth and perfectly the way he wanted it to be. So he, the potter didn't take five minutes to make a bowl or a vase or, or whatever. He takes his time and he molds it and he, he works it. And sometimes he puts it a little bit more there and he, he's doing things to build it, to make it strong, to make it um, functional. Because how many of you guys know if you put a little, little vase bottom and a giant top on the vase, it's going to fall over. Your kids are going to bump the table one time and it's going to fall over and it's going to be gone. So he makes it so its structure is firm. It can sit firmly, doesn't tip over, has a good foundation to it. And he creates it how he wants. So the potter doesn't spend five minutes, but God doesn't either. God doesn't just come into your life and say, boom, you're done. We love that to happen, but it doesn't. We would love it for God to just show up and go, boom, you're complete." You walk in perfect faith, and now just ride it out till you get to heaven. God works on us a little bit at a time, shapes us a little bit here, a little bit there, takes out the, the rough edges. But he shapes us perfectly for what he wants it to contain. He shapes us perfectly for what he wants us to contain. If you guys have ever seen pottery um, made or ever done anything with pottery, you don't just set it out there and wait for it to, to dry. It has to be dried a certain way. A lot of pottery has to be done, um, a lot of tile work um, has to be done in a kiln. You have to dry it in a kiln. You have to heat it so it gets to a certain temperature and it, it hardens it. Because you could let it dry for a year out in the air and it wouldn't harden it the way a kiln would, would uh, harden it. But we have so many people in our lives, and in, some, in our lives sometimes too, that have been hardened by the fires of life. And, and we've just, we've held on to it, and we, we've, we've hardened our hearts towards things, and we've hardened our life towards things. We've hardened our emotions and our wills towards things. Well, 
I, nope, nobody's going to hurt me. No one can affect me. I'm going to do this. We call, our society has got, uh, had a good job of calling um, bitterness and um, anger into setting up boundaries. Well, they just, don't, they just don't have access in my life. Well, yeah, that's great. You can set up a boundary, but you still got to have forgiveness in your heart. We've tried, to, we've tried to create a new name for bitterness and anger in the, in the psychological world, but really all it is is this, my heart is hardened towards you, but I'm going to set up boundaries because that sounds like a healthy term. We've got people who have been, their hearts have been hardened and their lives have been hardened by the, the, the fire of life that God can't work with because it's so hard that he has to little by little break through to get to what is there. And what happens is, is when, we, we, when we're so hardened by life and by the, the, the things that happen in life, those breaks happen. We love God. God, I love you. You have half of my heart, but this other heart side is so hardened, so brittle that when it goes through a break, we go through those low lows and then we have to spend t- so much time with God and, and so much counseling and so much um, someone fill, uh, filling us up that we get back to the top of the mountain. And we're like, yeah, I'm at the top of the mountain. Look at me. Look where I came from. But it's a slippery slope. Until we, we, we allow God to take every part of our heart, every part of our life, we stand at the top of the mountain and it's a temporary, momentarily, momentary thing that it's over in two weeks, a month. And we're like, what happened? I was at the high highs and now I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm going back down because if we allow God to bend us little by little, we don't have breaks. We allow him to mold us into what he wants and then put us into the fire that he wants us to, to harden us, then he says, now I can pour what I have into you. David says in first, uh, or excuse me, uh, Psalm 51, 10, it says, create in me, God, a clean heart and renew me to a right spirit. The voice translation says this. I like this. It, it, it says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Restore within me a sense of being brand new. And I feel like God wants to, to create in you guys a new heart. He wants to create a heart that is moldable and, and bendable and formable to what he wants us to do, what his will is, what his heart is. Little bends by the Father will cr- prevent big, big breaks in life. We don't need to go soul searching. We don't need to go on, you know, six-month retreats to find out who God is and find out who I am. We don't need need midlife crises. We don't need midlife counseling. We don't need that stuff because God is the God of completeness. Be clay, be soft, be moldable until the Father decides to put you in the fire to form you to what He wants you to be. Let him shape you to become a vessel that he finds the proper, proper vessel to pour into what he wants to pour into. He says, you know what? You're going to be spotless, blameless, without blemish. That's, what he, that's how he sees us. That's what he calls us. 
So let's be formable and let's be moldable into what his image is. We're made in his image, but we're just a lump of clay. He pulled us out of the dirt. He made us out of dirt. He breathed life into us. So we're, we're literally some mud and the breath of life. And he's forming us. So let him form you into what he wants. Let him bend you into what you want so you don't have those breaks. Those breaks, they suck. We've had those breaks. Everybody gets those breaks every now and then. We've had those, but it's, how, do we, how do we say, you know what, let's, let's move on from there. Let's, let's be full of God so we don't have those breaks. We want to be consistent in our walk with God, in our life, so he can say, you know what, we're going to walk through this. You're not going to go high highs and low lows. You're going to have a good, consistent growth pattern, growth chart in me that when, when you're growing, I can form you into what you want and then I can pour out into you what I want. And here, we look at Jesus. Jesus, he's 30 years old before God pours out his spirit on him. You think Jesus had no education, no learning of anything? No, Jesus had some learning. His parents taught him something. He didn't just turn 30 with no education and God just gave him everything. His parents molded him. God molded him with the help of his parents into what they wanted him to be and God poured out his spirit into him. Because when God pours out his spirit and pours out his, his will and his love into us, it's not just, well, it's this far from the top. It's not just three quarters of the way full. It's overflowing because the vessel that he creates us to be is a vessel for transporting him to other people. It's for pouring out into other people. Let's pray.